Thank you. Brilliant. Um, I want to ask you this morning to do something a little bit strange, and um, I, I don't want you to think it's morbid, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's verging on it. I want you to imagine for a moment that for some reason or another, you are very near to the end of your life. You know that it could all be over at any moment. It's a sad thing to imagine, isn't it? Um, Hopefully not the reality for any of you, but imagine that that's the case, that it could all be over at any moment. You're near the end of your life. And if that's the case, I would imagine that in that moment, you probably want to leave something behind. You want to somehow use these last days or moments to make a difference. And so, maybe you decide that you're going to write a letter to someone who's close to you. And you know this could be the last letter that you ever write. Or the last phone call that you ever make. Or the last message that you're ever able to give. Who is it that you'd want to write to or to ring? And I guess the next big question is, what would you say to them? What would you want to pass on to them and to make sure that they got hold of and that they never forgot in your last moment? We've been going through a a series called Inspiring Influence recently. And, And you know, when it comes to your final moments... When it comes to the last message that we are able to give, I imagine in one way or another, each and every one of us would like that message to be an inspiring influence. We would like to know that we have made the most of that opportunity to be an inspiring influence, to affect someone in the way that they see themselves or the way that they see us or the way that they see the world around them and approach their circumstances and approach life. I imagine for for many of you, the person, if you were trying to think of who it is that you'd write that letter to or make that last phone call to, it would be someone that you would be, someone that you love and you are incredibly close to. And I imagine that for many of you, one of the things that you'd want to make sure that um, you made abundantly clear is just how much you love them and how special they are to you and how precious they are to you. But it might also be that as you sat back and you thought about what it is that you wanted to communicate, what it is that you wanted to say in this great opportunity, that as you thought about it, your thoughts maybe turned to advice that you'd want to give them. Ways that you'd want to encourage them to approach life. You know, when we know that a message is going to be the last message that we ever give, we can pretty much guarantee we want it to be significant. You know, you've probably had many conversations with the person you thought about, and I bet you've forgotten nearly all of them. But you want this one to stand out. You want this one to make a difference. You want this one to be remembered. There's something about knowing that it's the last thing that we will ever get to say to a person that makes us approach it completely differently. And it's it's the same thing if we know it's the last thing we're ever going to hear from somebody too. 
know, suddenly all of the distractions, all the different things that we can be thinking about, all the different things that pull at our attention just disappear and they have it entirely. Every word that they say is suddenly precious and special and something we want to remember. Now there's something in us that wants the last message that we give or the last message that we receive to be an inspiring influence. I don't know how many of you have, um, have ever seen the film Kingdom of Heaven with um, Liam Neeson and Orlando Bloom. Um, it's probably a fairly old film now, um, but I remember it being released um, probably about 10 years or so ago. Um, and I remember when it was released, it was slammed by the critics. It was not a popular film. It's not one of these ones that hit the charts, but it was one that I really enjoyed. And um, I thought it really captured something of the tension of kind of the medieval crusades and the, the setting that it was. But there's this one scene in the film, which isn't even really part of the story, um, where Orlando Bloom is working in, uh, as a blacksmith. And someone notices that these, these words carved into a wooden beam above his head. And, and, they, and their words are carved in Latin, so they can't read it. And so they ask him, what does it say? Um, and the phrase carved into the wood, it says this. It said, what man is a man who does not leave the world better? What man is a man who does not leave the world better? And it's a great question to ask yourself, isn't it? And I think this kind of sense that we want our lives to make a difference that we want to leave the world better. You know, it it comes into sharp focus when we realise that we haven't got long left, that it's the last message we're going to get to give. We want to see our lives make a difference. There's something built into our DNA, which means that we want to see our lives count for something. We want to make our mark. We want to be an inspiring influence and leave the world better. You know, it's not enough to simply have got to the end and thought, well, I've had a good life for myself. There's something in us, built into us, that wants our lives to count for more than that. And I don't think this is anything new. It's not something which is just part of our culture or our society. You know, in fact, this morning, I want us to look together at the last message that a man gave about three and a half thousand years ago. He knew he was about to die. And so he seized his opportunity to make sure that he left the world better. He seized his opportunity to pass on the greatest lessons that he'd learned in life, the most important things that he knew, and he wanted these to be the things that um, that kind of influenced others and inspired others and changed the ways that they approached life, even after he was gone. We're going to look at the last message of a man called Joshua. And Joshua is about 110 years old at this point, so he's had a good innings. He's doing pretty well. But not only is he, is he lived 110 years and walked with the Lord for all of that time, but actually during the course of his life, he has been through some pretty amazing and miraculous things with the people of God. Joshua was there when the people were in slavery in Egypt. He was there when the plagues occurred and when the Passover happened. He was involved in the crossing of the Red Sea. He was one of the spies who went into the land that God had promised them. And he came back full of faith and confidence about this great land that God was going to give them. And he was there when God judged the people because they allowed themselves to be influenced, not by his faith and his confidence, but by the doubt and the questions and the fear 
of the other spies and the report that they brought back as they saw only the obstacles that lay before them. And as a result of that, he was there as they lived through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But even in that, seeing God supernaturally provide water and manna and quail, he took leadership of the nation when Moses died. And he led the people into the promised land. And in his leadership, he remained obedient to God, always stepping out in faith and following his instructions, even when it went against all natural logic. And it made no sense. You know, he led the people into a river that was in full flood. He, he led the people to walk around a city blowing horns, believing that the walls would fall down. You know, Joshua not only has 110 years of life experience, he's got 110 years of an incredible, miraculous journey with God. 110 years of trusting God and living it all out in front of an entire nation that are watching him. His every move. 110 years of being an inspiring influence to the thousands of eyes that look to him for leadership. And at the end of his life, he knows he's about to die. And so he gathers the people of God together. And he says to them, look, these are the things, these are the last things that I want to leave with you. These are the things that I want you to remember. These are the things that I want you to follow after I'm gone. So that I can leave this world confident that I've left it better. You know, when someone who's lived for 110 years with God through the sorts of situations and circumstances and miracles and incredible things that we've been talking about says something, in order to sum up everything that they've learned over that time, you sit up and you listen. He's the kind of guy that's worth listening to. So Joshua gathers together all the people of Israel. He's speaking to thousands of people. And he's using this great opportunity to be an inspiring influence, to remind them of their history and all that God has done. And to call them up and to challenge them in what it really looks like to live a life following God. What it really looks like to live a life which is not only an inspiring influence to one another, but actually is an inspiring influence to the rest of the nations who look on and watch them and see what it is to be the people of God. I can't go through everything that he says, so I want to encourage you, go away through this week, read Joshua 23 and 24, um, and hear what it is that he says to the people. Uh, But I want to draw out some of the key points of what it is that he wants to make sure the people get hold of. And I want to encourage you this morning, you know, if, if you know Jesus today, to come at this with an open heart, and just to allow God to begin to show you something more of the fullness of life that he has for you, and what it really looks like to follow him. And if you don't know Jesus today, then again, I want to encourage you to come open-hearted. And as you listen, maybe you will get hold of a bit of an insight into the real adventure and how exciting it is to follow Jesus. So we're going to have a look at, um, at Joshua, and we're going to read, to so begin with, verses 1 to 11 of chapter 23. If you've got your Bible, then follow along through that. That's great, and find it. It's up here too, so you can follow along on the screen, which is great. Uh, this is what it says. After a long time had passed... And the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. 
It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand Because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Now one of the things that I find amazing in this is just how similar it is to what we find if we look back to early in Joshua's life when God's speaking to Joshua and giving Joshua his instructions and his encouragements and his message. Back you can find it in um, chapter 1. You know, and then we look here then at the, toward the end of Joshua's life here in chapter 23, and what we find is almost him giving almost identical encouragements and instructions to the people of Israel. You know, and what has happened is clearly he has taken on board what God said to him all those years ago. And he has grounded into his heart. He has allowed it to form him and to shape him. He has taken hold of it and it has never left him. So that right now in his old age, it is still at the forefront of his mind. This is the way that you are to live as the people of God. This is what it means to follow God. He's seen God be faithful through all of his life. He's seen how he can trust God through everything. And so his one last message the one thing that he wants to make sure people take hold of and take away with him, the one thing that he knows will mean that he he leaves the world better because the people will be following God is exactly the same message which God had given him all those years ago. In verse 6 we read, Joshua encouraging the people of Israel to be very strong. And if you look back to God's original message to Joshua, you find in it that he encourages Joshua to be strong and courageous three times. And that Joshua, at the end of his life, is saying, after 110 years, I can recommend this way of living. Be strong and courageous in God and in your faith. He understood after 110 years why this was so important. You know, he'd been among the spies that went into the land that God had promised them. He'd experienced the people being too fearful and full of unbelief instead of strength and courage. And as a result, missing out on God's promise for them and wandering in the desert for 40 years. He knew all too well from first-hand experience how allowing fear to control your decisions and the way that you live keeps you out of God's promises and the blessings that he has for you. And that faith in trust in God put into action, takes you into them. You know, fear is one of those things that if we allow it, can completely control our lives. It can cripple us. It can cripple us from being the people that God wants us to be. You know, when we make decisions, we can be crippled by constantly thinking about what might happen if things don't turn out right. 
Um, yesterday, you might notice the screen's a little brighter than normal. Yesterday, Mike and I were um, installing the new projector, and um, after the big bang that we had last week, um, and as part of it, I had to go up a ladder um, to, to the top there and, you know, fiddle around and get all the positioning and things right. And I wouldn't ever say that I'm someone who's scared of heights. Um, I've been on lots of heights, and that's, that's fine. But even so, there was something in me that didn't want to be up there any longer than I had to be. You know, the reality was that I was perfectly safe. You know, the reality was that um, I could have faith and confidence in the, the ladder that I was standing on. It wasn't going anywhere. But despite that reality, I know that if I had allowed my thoughts to go there, I could have been crippled by fear. If I would allowed my thoughts to go there, thinking about what if, I might not have even made it up to the top. You know, and just as I had a choice of being controlled by fear, or trusting in a ladder that I knew would not let me down, So we've all got a choice in every decision that we make and every circumstance that we face. Will we allow thoughts of what-ifs and fears and doubts to control the decisions we make, to control us? Or will we trust in God who has promised that he will be with us and he will never fail us and he will never let us down? You know, again and again throughout the Bible, we find God saying, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid because I'm with you and I'll never leave you. Don't be afraid or worried or anxious about anything because you can bring it to me. And you will know my peace which surpasses understanding. Guard your heart and mind. Don't be afraid because I love you and my perfect love drives out all fear. Now, Joshua has got hold of this truth. That not only do we not need to be afraid as God's children, but actually if we want to take hold of all that God has for us, then and we want to be an inspiring influence in the way that we live our lives for him, then we need to make a choice not just to not be afraid, but to be strong and to be courageous and to take steps of obedient faith, knowing that our God is able, that he is for us that he is with us, that he will never fail. I don't know if any of you have ever come, off, come across um, a couple called Frog and Amy or Ewing. Um, a picture of them should come up. They never uh, look like what I expect them to from their names. But, um, but there we go. Frog and Amy, I uh, came across them about 10 years ago. And um, I've never forgotten part of the story that they shared at the time um, of, of what God had, had been at work and doing amongst them. Um, they were both students in Oxford. Um, and they sensed God calling them to smuggle Bibles into Afghanistan. And, and they went off and did exactly that. Um, the two of them plus one other that, that went along with them. Um, and if that wasn't bold enough, while they were in Afghanistan, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. There's loads of different things happen. I can't go into it all. But while they were there, they sensed God say to them that they had to try and arrange a meeting with one of the rulers who was a powerful imam in, in Afghanistan and to give him a Bible. And now, you don't smuggle Bibles into Afghanistan if you're full of fear and allowing fear to control your decisions. Because you can be executed just for being found with a Bible in Afghanistan. But the idea of purposefully then seeking out a Muslim imam and offering him a Bible must have seemed pretty insane. 
and take an incredible boldness and courage and trust and faith in God that he knew what he was doing. I say I can't go into all the details, but it's enough to say that they managed to arrange this meeting with the imam. And in the middle of the meeting, surrounded by his officials, one of them reached into their rucksack, which was full of Bibles, pulled a Bible out, and offered it to the imam, saying, God has told us that we need to give you a Bible. There was silence in the room. An incredible tension kind of built up. Because everybody in there knew that they could have just signed their death warrant. All depending on how the imam would respond. The imam takes the Bible and he says to them, I've been praying for one of these for years. You know, if Frog and Amy had allowed fear to control and to cripple them, they would never have seen the promises of God come to pass. They would never have experienced what God wanted to do in them or through them or around them. Joshua is encouraging us and he is saying after 110 years of walking with God, you need to know how important it is to be a people of faith who are strong and courageous. The next thing that Joshua says again in verse 6 is to be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. And again, it's something that God had first said to Joshua of all these years ago that has allowed to shape his entire life. And so at the end of his life, Joshua is saying to the people, you need to know what is in this book. You need to know what is in their equivalent of the Bible. You need to read it. And not only do you need to know it and to read it, but you need to do it. Again, he understood after 110 years how important it is to do all things God's ways. You know, he'd been there when the people had compromised and tried to do things their own way. And he'd seen the consequences that they'd faced. You know, he'd seen Moses, the great leader of the nation, his mentor, not trusting God's instructions to just speak to a rock and let the water come out. But that he, he took matters into his own hands and thought, that's not enough. It's not just enough to speak a word. So I'm going to strike it with my staff at the same time. And as a consequence, he never enters the promised land. You know, he'd seen what happens when people don't do things God's way and they don't trust his instructions. And he'd also seen what happens when they do do things God's way, even when it appears ridiculous. Like walking around the city of Jericho seven times expecting the walls to fall down. But God always comes through. And to be honest, I think this whole thing of being obedient and being courageous are so tied in together. You know, it all essentially comes down to the same thing. It all essentially comes down to trusting God and being confident in God, and believing what God says. And when all of that happens, then naturally we'll take steps of obedient, courageous faith. That's why I think leading up to these verses, if you read before and afterwards in your own time, you know, Joshua reminds the people of how God has always come through for them. How God is trustworthy and faithful. How everything that he has promised has come to pass. You know, when you're struggling with trusting God, we all get there. We all have times when we're struggling to trust God. 
And when you're struggling to trust God, whether it's to do with fear, whether it's to do with making uh, changes in your lifestyle in order to follow God's ways, whatever it is, the best thing that you can always do is to take your eyes off of your fears, off of your worries or your doubts, to take your eyes off of your circumstances and your struggles and the obstacles in life and to fix your eyes again on Jesus. To remind yourself of God's love for you and all that he's already done. To remind yourself that his love is an active love that drives him to care for you. To meet your greatest need. And that that truth is most fully expressed through Jesus' sacrifice for you on the cross. To fix your eyes on Jesus and to remember who God is. That he is a God who is able, that he is powerful, that he is mighty, that he is strong. To remember that this God who created the universe loves you and has promised to be with you and involved in your life. And he says to you, because I am with you, you don't need to be afraid. And as you fix your eyes on Jesus to ask God to help you to take courageous, obedient steps of faith. Through which you will see him work in you and through you and around you. So the first two things that Joshua encourages the people in are to be strong and courageous. And to know God's word. To know the Bible, to know what God is saying and to be obedient to it. He goes on then, and the next kind of key thing that Joshua tries to inspire people with, that he knows will shape everything else in their lives, is to hold fast to the Lord your God. And to be very careful to love the Lord your God. That's an amazing statement, if you really stop and think about it. To be very careful to love the Lord your God. Think about what Joshua is saying there for a moment. I think he's stressing how important it is that we're careful to love God. He's saying essentially loving God is not something that will just happen. You can't just go about life and say, well, I love God and I'm just going to go about life and that's that. It doesn't just happen. He's saying you have to take care. You have to be alert. You have to be proactive in your love for God. Just the same as you have to be proactive in your love for your children or your love for your wife or your love for anybody else. It takes a decision. It's an active thing that you have to be careful to stay doing. And I think he's saying it for one simple reason. Do you know what? It's not easy to love God and to allow, or or to allow our, it can be easy to allow our love for God to fade because of all of the things that compete for our love and for our heart. And for our passions. Now Joshua goes on to talk about the different things that pulled at the Israelites. And the different ways that the other nations did things. And say stay away from them. He says how these things that surround us in the world pull at us. And what happens if we allow them to. Is that they will begin to steal our love. They will begin to steal our heart away from God. You know what? As I follow Jesus, I have to be careful to love God. To make him my first love. Because the truth is that there are competitors in my life. 
my own enjoyment of life and my pleasures in life and my comfort in life and my security in life compete with having God as my first love. You know, I'm blessed with a great family. I've got a wonderful wife, Rosie, and some great children. And I love them loads. But actually what that means is that I have to be careful that they don't become my first love. I love my work. I love working and serving God in this church. And I have to be careful that that doesn't become my first love. You know, there are many competitors out there that want your love and your passion. Life, family, work, comfort, success, money, your reputation, security. And it is so easy for our hearts to become consumed by all these different things. And what we find, without even intending it, without ever meaning it, because we weren't careful, our love for God is just squeezed out as all of these different things just take over more and more of our time and our affections. Joshua is saying this. In the competition that you will face for the love of your hearts, hold fast to God. Cling to God. The word that he used actually means something like being super glued to God. And be careful to love God. Because all that it means to be God's children, all that it means to follow Jesus, is summed up in loving him. To finish with, we're going to jump ahead to something Joshua says in the middle of chapter 24. It's verses 14 to 15. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I love the fact that Joshua gives the people a choice. You know, if we're honest, none of us like being told what to do, do we? We like to have options. We like to feel like we're in control. And Joshua realized this, and so he gives the people some options. And he says to them, you know what? You can choose who you will serve. You can serve the gods of your ancestors, or you can serve the gods of the people who used to live for you, if that's what you want to do. Now, got to be honest, didn't work out too well for them. They've kind of been destroyed, but you can give it a go. Or, you can serve the Lord your God of Israel. But whatever happens, you've got to make a choice. You know, to kind of put it in our context, Joshua is kind of saying, if you don't want to live this way and follow God, then that's okay. You can serve your career. You can serve your reputation. You can serve your own comfort. You can serve your family. If that's what you want to do, go out and do it. Just know that it's not going to end well. But as for me, After 110 years of seeing God at work in me and through me and around me, through good times and hard times, through challenging times, through difficult times, me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, Joshua does what every person does who is an inspiring influence. 
He sets an example. He lives it out in front of them. He goes first. Says, it's up to you what you want to do. But I'm going first. And as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. It's a pivotal moment in the history of, of the nation of Israel. As they make a choice to commit themselves to follow God, even after Joshua has died. And this morning has the potential to be a pivotal moment for you. As you make a choice and you decide who or what you are going to serve. And what kind of life you are going to commit to. So I want to invite you today to make a choice for yourself. To maybe make a bold declaration and to be courageous and make a commitment for the first time. And to say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to trust in and follow Jesus. And if that's a decision that you would like to, to make for the first time or it's something you want to find out more about and what that really means, um, then we would love to chat to you. Come and find me at the end. I'd love to talk to you. Or there'd be some guys here available at the front and they'd love to, to speak to you too. It might be that this morning that God has is, is simply been stirring your heart to make a recommitment to him. To take your eyes off of fears or doubts that have held you back. And to fix your eyes on him. And to start to make changes. And to take courageous steps of obedient faith. Or it might be that if you're honest with yourself and with God about things in your life. That really other things have come in and have started to take God's place. Other things have become your first love have become the things or the people that you love more than God. That consume your heart and your time and your affections and your thoughts instead of God. And this morning is a pivotal moment for you to be able to ask God to forgive you and to help you to grow in your love for him. To hold fast to him, to be stuck to him like superglue. To make very careful to have him as your first love. It may be that actually it's just that, what, that single word that Joshua spoke which has resonated with you, that word household. And you want to make a commitment not just for yourself, but to look beyond yourself and not just say, as for me, but as for me and my household. As for me and all of those in my family, those I'm in a friendship with, those in my community, who I'm in relationship with, I'm going to make a commitment. I can't do it for them, but I'm going to make a commitment to do everything that I can to lead them to and to point them to Jesus. To be an inspiring influence in their lives. Through being a living example of someone who trusts God. And takes courageous steps of obedient faith. You know, whatever it is this morning, just as Joshua left the people of Israel with a choice, I want to leave you with a choice. Who or what are you going to serve? And like Joshua, I want to lead by example and say, as for me, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Join me.